now in week six of quarantine, and I wonder how you all are doing. Uh, I saw this last week online. This is by John Halligan, and here he describes how he is experiencing quarantine. I thought it was pretty funny. He said, I used to spin that toilet paper like I was on Wheel of Fortune. Now I turn it like I'm cracking a safe. I need to practice social distancing from the refrigerator. Still haven't decided where to go to church tomorrow, the living room or the bedroom. I'm so excited. It's time to take out the garbage. What should I wear? And then finally he said, day 16 of homeschooling. My, ch my child just said, I hope I don't have the same teacher next year. I'm offended. I wonder how you're experiencing quarantine. And I think it's true that all of us are experiencing this differently. I don't know about you, but I've felt the whole gamut of human emotions. So I've felt fear, anxiety, sorrow, gratitude, irritation, frustration, anger. I've felt tired, disoriented, bored, scattered, and frazzled. And I think all of us are feeling all sorts of things right now. Here's the question. What are you doing with your emotions? We can numb them on binge-watching uh, Netflix and Disney+. Plus. Uh, we can bottle them up and suppress them because we find them scary or uncomfortable. We can vent them on our loved ones at home. Uh, we can get on Facebook and rant our anger and frustration. And I think we all agree that these are not the most healthy ways to deal with our emotions. Now this morning, what I want to do is I want to begin a brand new series where we're going to learn how to process our emotions in the presence of God. Uh, one of the things that have helped me over the last several weeks is I've been feeling all of these things is simply to read through the Psalms. What the Psalms do is they help us to bring our emotions before God and to get them out in a healthy way. Somebody once said that the Psalms are a toolbox for the soul. There is a psalm for almost every emotion. And what they do is they are tools to help us cultivate our interior lives. One author said that the psalms give us edited language to give us expression to our unedited emotions. And for centuries, the people of God have been using the psalms to process and to move through their emotions in a way that makes them better and healthier, in a way that's transformative. And so uh, we're going to get into the Psalms. Every week we're going to pull out a different Psalm for a different emotion. And we're going to uh, go, uh, go through these things and process them in God's presence. Now today, uh, the first Psalm we're going to look at is, is a Psalm about sorrow. And so the first emotion we're going to look at is, a, is an, the emotion of grief. What do we do with our grief? What do we do with our sorrow? Now I know that many of us are thinking, Brett, you've already talked about this. Uh, you know, last week you talked about it twice. Why are we talking about it again? Well, I think it's good that we take one more pass at this for several different reasons. Uh, number one, I think it, uh, it's true that I think a lot of us are feeling grief right now. I think grief is a very common emotion. In fact, um, uh, there was an article in the Harvest Business Review uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was called, The Discomfort you, You're Feeling Now is Grief. In this article, uh, David Kessler, an expert on grief, was interviewed about what we're all collectively feeling right now. And he says, perhaps for most of us, maybe all of us, the, the emotion is sorrow. And he says, uh, he says we're, we're feeling a number of different griefs because the world has changed. 
And even though most of us know that this is temporary, uh, we realize that life will never be the same. And we're grieving a very real loss. So a lot of us are grieving right now. Another reason why to look at, to look at this <clears throat> emotion of sorrow is because when you look at the Psalms, the most common emotion dealt with is that of grief. And so if you would uh, get all the Psalms and put them in categories, uh, the most common category of Psalm is the Psalms of Lament. And these are Psalms where the author is pouring out a sorrow, where uh, he is uh, processing grief. These are by far the most common Psalms that we have. Why is that? There's got to be a reason why uh, grief is the most common uh, emotion dealt with. And it should tell us something, that maybe we ought to look at this a little bit more. I think another reason why we should be looking at grief again is because the way we respond to grief is critical. The way we process grief is absolutely critical to our spiritual lives. There is a survey that a large church did on um, spiritual formation. And they asked a thousand people what was the largest contributor to their spiritual growth. And by far, most everybody said that the largest contributor to their spiritual growth was grief and suffering. But here's the thing. Grief and suffering doesn't automatically lead to spiritual growth. Uh, you know, grief lead, can lead us in two different directions. It could make you uh, softer, it could bring you to God, or it could make you harder and more resentful, more cynical. Some of the best people you know and some of the worst people you know have been people that experienced great grief. And so how you respond to your grief, how you process it, is critical to determine whether you're going to grow through grief or go, through, go the different direction. And so when we look at Psalm 42, this is a psalm of lament, and this is a psalm about tears. The theme of this psalm is tears. He mentions tears several times. And he says, if, if, if sorrow is going to lead you towards God, if sorrow, sorrow is going to help us grow, we've got to learn how to do three things with our tears. We need to learn how to acknowledge our tears. We need to learn how to empty our tears. We need to learn how to examine our tears. Let's look at those three things in this psalm here today. So first, uh, the psalm says, if, you're, if your sorrow is going to help you grow and draw closer to God, you need to learn how to acknowledge your tears. Now, as you look at the psalm here, uh, this is a very vivid description of this man's sorrow. And he, he examines his sorrow, he, he describes his sorrow from two different angles. There's an outward dimension of his sorrow. Um, there are enemies on the outside that are going at him. Uh, there's also circumstances that he's facing. He talks about them as, as waves that are pummeling him and breaking over him. And so there's all these things going on on the outside that are making him sad. But there's also an inward dimension to his sorrow. And he says, as all of these things are going on on the outside, there's also this sense that God is not there. And he's struggling with God's absence. And so he gives an illustration at the beginning, he says, as the deer pants for the flowing stream, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. When shall I come before God, he says. My tears have been my, my food for day and night. So he says, here's, here's what it's like. He says, it's like there's a deer going through towards the water. And in, in the illustration, the man is the deer and God is the water. And he's saying, like a deer, I'm, I'm thirsty for you, God. I'm, I'm looking for you, but when I get to the water, when I get to the creek, it's all dried up. 
God's not there. And so things are going on on the, on the outside, but also there's this sense that God has forgotten. God is absent. God is not there. It's a very vivid and honest description of what he's going through. I don't know about you, but I find this, this description incredibly refreshing. I find that the, his ability to just acknowledge the pain that he's going through in a very raw and honest way to be incredibly helpful. Christians, I think, and maybe especially American Christians, I think, have a hard time acknowledging sadness. You know, I think that we, need, we feel like we need to put on a happy face when we come to church. People ask you how you're doing. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm doing great. And it's almost like if we admit that we're really, what we're really going through, it's, a, it's an admission of failure. It's an admission that we lack faith somehow. And maybe it's because of the songs, like I mentioned last Friday, you know, the songs, the hymn that says, now I'm happy all the day. We feel like, well, that's the Christian experience. I've got to be happy all the day. I need to be fully blessed. And so we put on a happy face. Uh, we, we're, we're just not honest. But I, I love this song. He, he just honestly says, this is what I'm going through. And he's raw and, and open about it. And he acknowledges and he voices his sorrow. Are you able to do that? Are you able to acknowledge your sorrow? Uh, David Kessler, in the, in the article that I mentioned at the beginning, he said that what you need to do with your grief, if you're going to really process it well, is he says you need to name it, you have to feel it, and you have to let it pass through you. Name it, feel it, and let the grief pass through us. The problem is if you don't acknowledge your grief, it doesn't go away. It just goes under the surface. And it's still there, and often it comes out in unhealthy ways. But notice what the psalmist does here is he acknowledges the grief. He does it for everybody to read in this psalm, and I think it's an encouragement for everyone, and I think it's good for him. There's a, um, an, an, uh, a, a writer, his name is C.S. Lewis, and uh, many of you kids have probably heard of C.S. Lewis. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, a uh, kid series. And uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a number of other books, two books he wrote on suffering. The first one was called The Problem of Pain. And this was a, it was a logical argument, you know, where he, very rational, where he argued for why uh, God allows pain and suffering. It was a very good book, very well received. But he wrote this book before anything really bad happened in his life. Years later, he, uh, his, his wife died of cancer, and he went through a deep period of grief, and he actually wrote another book about pain and suffering. This wasn't a rational book. Well, it wasn't an, an argument. It was simply a description, an honest acknowledgement of how he was feeling in his grief. Here's one quote from the book. He said, I go to him when, I, when, when my need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do I find? A door slammed in my face, and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. A very honest description of what he was going through. And I, I actually found this book incredibly helpful. Many other Christians did too, because it's good to, to know that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to experience sorrow. That if you're experiencing bad circumstances, and, and even if you're feeling like God isn't there, this is normal. There's nothing wrong with you. In fact, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus Christ 
whom the Gospels continually say was perfect. It's, it describes Jesus as a man of sorrow who was acquainted with grief. In fact, at one point in Luke 6.21, he said, Blessed are you who weep now. Can you acknowledge honestly your grief? This is the first step if you're going to move through it. And so first, the psalmist, he just honestly uh, lays his grief out. But here's the second thing that he does. Not only does he acknowledge his sorrow, but he also empties his sorrow. He empties it out. Notice what he says here in verse 4. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. What does he do with his sorrow? Well, the psalm is showing you what he does with his sorrow. He pours it out before God. He says, I'm, pour, I'm pouring out all of this grief before my, my father, before God. I almost picture his grief like a big bucket, his soul like a big bucket. And his grief is like water filling the bucket, just filling up. And it's getting to the point where it's going to overflow. And he takes his, his soul, this big bucket of grief, and he just dumps it all on God. Are you able to pour your griefs out before God? Do you do this? Uh, the Psalms are always telling us to do this. So there's another one. This is Psalm 62, verse 8, where the psalmist says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God is safe. God is a refuge. You can trust him with all of your grief. He can handle all of your pain. Pour it out before him. Just dump it out in his presence. Lamentations 2.19 says this, Arise, cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. What do we do with our sorrow? After we've acknowledged it, we must bring it to God and honestly, without a filter, pour it out in his presence. And notice how unfiltered this man is with his sorrow. Uh, this is not carefully crafted. This is not a nice fancy prayer. It really is a raw, unfiltered prayer. I mean, if you look in verse 9, look how, look how just honest he is before the Lord. He says, he says, God, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go about all the morning? This is almost like a, an accusation. God, where are you? God, you've forgotten me. This is an unfiltered prayer. And this is the way we're, we're supposed to dump out our sorrow before the Lord. Don't hold anything back. Eugene Peterson puts it like this. He says, it is easy to be honest before God with our hallelujahs. It is somewhat more difficult to be honest in our hurts. It is nearly impossible to be honest before God in the dark emotions of our despair. So we commonly suppress our negative emotions, or when we do express them, we do it far from the presence of God, or what we think is the presence of God. But he says, listen to this, we must learn to pray who we actually are, not who we think we should be. Learn to pray who you actually are, not who you think you should be. That is, bring your whole self to God. All of your feelings of grief, all of your sorrows, all of your accusations, all of your complaints, and just dump it before God. This is what we're told to do in this psalm. And have you ever noticed how good it feels to voice your pain? I've noticed uh, during quarantine, where I've, I've been spending a lot of time, with, more time with my family, how often I complain. And it, because it feels good to voice my pain. Uh, you know, I've, I've been tired a lot. I've, my back has been hurting. 
uh, you know, I've been kind of frazzled, and I've noticed that I've just been complaining. Oh, my back. Oh, I, I didn't sleep well last night. And I, I'm just voicing all of these things because it feels good. But guess what? Your wife and children get tired of it. God never does. God says, I am the wonderful counselor. I am the God of Jesus Christ who loves you, and I know exactly what it likes to be a human being. I know you and I care. I am the wonderful counselor. My ear is always open. I love to hear you talk, even if, it, even if you're complaining, even if you're complaining about me. Pour your heart out before me. If you must, talk to the absent God about his absence. And when you do this, this develops a certain depth of relationship with God. Have you noticed that when, when you're honest with a person and you pour your heart out to them, you feel closer to them? And when you pour your heart out to God, it develops a fellowship, a relationship with the Father that you can have during times of sorrow. Acknowledge your tears. Empty your tears. What is the third thing that we do with our tears? Notice he says that he examines his tears. This is so important. Probably the most important thing that he does. Did you notice that there were two verses that were repeated almost verbatim in this psalm? It was a question. He says it twice. Once in verse 5, he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him again. And then finally in verse 11, <clears throat> the very last verse of the psalm, he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Notice what he's doing there. He's asking his soul a question. He's addressing his own soul. He's talking to himself. It's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't answer yourself. He's, he's asking, his, he's, he's addressing his soul. He's examining his tears. Why are you downcast on my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? And so he's questioning himself. And I don't think this is a rhetorical question, kind of a shaming question, you know, that you might, you know, ask to your kids, why did you do that? You know, just, you're not looking for information. You're just wanting to shame. He's not, he's not shaming himself and just accusing himself. I think that he's really genuinely looking for information. Why are you sad? What's at the root of your sorrow? Why are you in despair? This is one of the most important things you can do with your sorrow, is ask your sorrow questions. Why are you sad? You might get some really interesting answers. Notice in the psalm, uh, I mean, one reason might be because of his physiology, kind of this basic, he, he's not sleeping at night. He's not eating. His tears have been his food. He's, maybe he's just tired and hungry, and, and he's just, this is why, one of the reasons why he's sad. Uh, you know, for many of us, one of the best things we can do for our souls is to take a nap is to maybe eat a meal, a healthy meal, to get some exercise. Uh, so that might be one of the reasons why he's struggling with his sorrow. But as he kind of filters through all these different reasons, he finally lands on the root cause of his sorrow, and it's hope. He says, I've lost hope. I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so he, he talks to himself, and he says, soul, hope in God. He begins to give himself a little sermon. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's important after we've uh, felt our sorrow and listened to our sorrow 
and prayed our sorrow. We've done a good deal of listening. It's important to begin to stop listening to ourselves. There's a point where we need to start talking to ourselves and say, soul, hope in God. Remind ourselves of the truth. <clears throat> Remember who God is and what he's done for us. It goes like this. In the morning, you might wake up, and you're, you wake up listening to yourself. You know, maybe you're, you're listening to yourself worry and fret about the problems of yesterday. Uh, maybe you're listening to yourself uh, fearfully thinking about the problems of today. Maybe you're talking to yourself about all these horrible things that are going on in your life. At some point, you need to take yourself in hand and say, soul, listen to me. And you need to and you need to address your sorrow. Do it specifically. Ask yourself, what is it that's making me sad? What is the thing that is grieving me? Maybe name that thing, and then think about some truth from the gospel that will address it. You know, you're sad, you're, you're scared because you know, you've got a big board meeting coming up and you don't know what to do. Well, you start telling yourself, God is with you. Jesus Christ has sent his Holy Spirit to dwell with you always. Maybe you're fretting over your sin that you've committed yesterday. Oh, why did I do that? Well, remind yourself of the truth of God's forgiveness. Maybe you're worried about the fact that you're not in control. Well, remind yourself that God is in control. So remind yourself of the truth of the gospel. Talk to yourself. Preach to yourself. At the end of the psalm, he finds himself in hope again. He says, I will praise God. I will praise him again. He's my salvation and my God. Now, he doesn't get there easily. And if you notice in the psalm, he kind of goes back and forth. He says, hope in God. And he kind of hopes again, but then he's in the dumps again. And then he says, hope in God. And he's down in the dumps after that again. And so this is a, a work in progress. It's not a one and done. This is something we need to work at over and over again. But you see, what he's doing is he's examining his tears. He's addressing his tears with the truth of the gospel. So uh, this is Psalm 42. What do we do with our tears? Tears can make you, it can move you in two different directions. It can, they can make you softer or harder. If you want them to, to move you towards God, you've got to do three things with your tears. Acknowledge them, empty them, and examine them. Let me give you a couple things to do this week. Here's a couple application uh, questions here. Um, one thing you can do is you can just make a list of all the things that you're grieving about. Can, can you just think, are there things in your life that you can think about that, are, that do cause grief? Maybe think about uh, things that we could grieve over in our nation, collective grief, and just kind of make a list of those things. Second of all, why don't you try writing your own psalm of lament? Get a journal and just start writing down how you feel expressing vividly uh, the sorrow that you're going through. And then finally, I want to encourage you to talk to yourself. Talk to yourself this week. Uh, do it through scripture. Remind yourself of the truth of the gospel. Remind yourself that God is with you. Remind you, yourself that God is faithful. He died on the cross for your sins. He is with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this psalm that tells us how to pray our grief. As we, as we jump into the series, as we look at the, the gamut of human ex, uh, emotions, Lord, from grief to joy to gratitude and fear, Lord, I pray that you would help us 
to pray ourselves into wholeness. I pray, God, that, that through examining these psalms that we would learn how to cultivate the emotions that we're experiencing. And Lord, I pray that you would do this in Jesus' name.